There we go. We are live. Welcome to a fireside chat. You are uh, either watching or listening to the Tavern Chat podcast. With me is none other than Jeff Jones of the Scoundrels uh, Kickstarter Zine uh, Zine Quest Zine Quest. I I still get it wrong. So somebody beat me with a stick. That's okay. Yeah. Well, thanks. It's great to be here. It's great to be here. No, this is this is good. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, uh, Jeff is the uh, the the layout man and probably the, the only organized presence because I'm certainly not the organized presence behind Torchlight. So uh, I am most definitely in Jeff's debt. That has nothing to do with why I have <laughs> Jeff on today. <laughs> Hey, yeah, it's it's a uh, the torchlight's fun, and I think the next issue, once we get that all finalized, I mean, people are going to be, I think, uh, excited because it's it's, yeah. it's it really came together quite nicely. It did, and uh, the content is pretty much not written by me. So if you didn't like the content <laughs> in the premiere issue, you you it's a good chance you're really going to like this issue. And if you like my content, this is all better. Yes. So so, so there you go. So you got you know it, you it, can't it, lose. It, it, you can't lose. It's a win-win. And uh, that was my dabble into uh, zine. There, I got it right. The whole, dude, it's a mental problem with me trying to say zines. Yeah, I mean, there's always those words, whatever those words are, you know, like the prostate, prostrate. You know, one is a historical error. The other one's a theological error. So you yeah. don't want <laughs> So, you know, either way, you're wrong on that one if you get it wrong. So it's just best to sometimes just avoid words altogether. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's funny, too, because there are some words that, like, from the early gaming books of, of the AD&D, you didn't, you didn't have the internet. You didn't have you, – you had dictionaries. And a lot of times you did, your dictionaries didn't have a definition for what you were trying to find because these words were obscure words. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you couldn't look it up on the internet, and and you certainly didn't get the pronunciation guide. So I, there's still words that I am sure I mispronounce, having learned them when I was 13. Paladin. Nobody. That's mine. Paladin. What, what, what is it supposed to be? Paladin. Uh, yeah, Paladin. I think. Paladin. No, no, it's a pal it's a pa Paladin. Paladin and, in hell. And Not draw and drow. I mean, I'll get it wrong oh, every time. Oh God. I, I, <laughs> well, uh, I say drow. So now what do you say, draw or draw? I said draw, but it's draw. No, no, no. We got we voted two nothing right here. <laughs> it is it is my gaming group. It was always draw. We got to fight the draw. <laughs> we're going for the giants. Oh my god, we're gonna fight the draw now. Yeah. Drow? I guess. I but no, but how is H O W? How is H O E? <laughs> I oh Jeff. I know it's terrible. I had a, I had a friend in eighth grade. Uh, there was a debate whether it's Conan or Conan. And so he wrote to, uh, I was like, Del Rey. And then like two months later, they got a letter and told him it was Conan. That's what he was pronounced. And by letter, he got the pronunciation. You know, I'm sure if I had sent the letter to Gary Gygax with a list of words that I could not pronounce, <laughs> that it would have, it would not have gotten responded to. Nothing against Gary, but I mean, that, those are back at, if you want a response, you need to send a stamped self-addressed envelope probably with, with with your response already pre-filled just with boxes they could have checked off because we're spoiled today. I mean, and the young kids, not that a lot of young kids listen to the podcast, but they do, <laughs> they, they do actually apparently look on the YouTube side. Um, not that they would even know what a stamped self-addressed envelope is or, or you had to clue a stamped postcard for certain things. Exactly. I, uh, try, try placing, try placing an order by mail. It isn't like the internet that you're used to right now, folks. Oh no, we we apologize. Oh wait, did, so Chantar is like I guess for uh, for 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 Drow. Didn't Frank make that pronunciation guide in Dragon Magazine? You know he might have. The only pronunciation guide I remember in Dragon Magazine is thieves can't or chant, and I actually cut that out and tried to make a thieves can't booklet that could have been used at the gaming table and all my friends thought I was weird and stupid. 
<laughs> when nerds call you out for being a nerd, that's just awesome. yeah, like you hypocrites. <laughs> like... Oh wait, wait. Let me refer to my yeah. dictionary here. These can issue like sixty six of Dragon Magazine. Uh, what are the words you're looking for? So, no, that's there. You go. Uh, it's like oh jeez. So again, we've we, we've established your bona fides because you've obviously already worked on. A zine. By the way, uh, I, because of because of uh, the current zine quest, and not only have I been asked if I was going to participate in it, and I was like, "There's no way I'm doing a Kickstarter because, with my luck, I'll be late." And then the person that always calls out late people will be the one that will have to call out himself, and the uh, that just doesn't work. But we've also been asked if we're going to put out Torchlight in print, which is which is fun because. I've been asked questions about other zines that are currently on Zine Quest that are only in print, and I get people sending me messages. Do you know? Do you do you know who's publishing this? Because uh, I'm in the UK, and I, I'd like to get it in like PDF. So, uh, to answer your print question, um, probably after we get a few out. Maybe. Yeah, here's you know I think because I've got a few things I'm going to do because I'm kind of. I had some thoughts. I think if you get enough people in the UK, there's an option of having mix, uh, uh, Maxim to, or Mixum, sorry. I know I forget. Uh, uh, I mixed up. But anyway, they, they have a UK uh, uh, publishing arm. So you can okay. send the files, have things printed there, but you got to make, having the files to make sure it's, it's cost effective. So it's going to cost you like a minimum of say $25. Right. One, but then maybe maybe three of them is you know seventy eight dollars. So that's one way. The other thing I'm going to do is once the Kickstarter is over, I get everything there. Are, I didn't have any copies for international uh, sale, but what I'm going to do if some of the people from international uh, who bought the PDFs are wanting physical copies, I'm going to I'm going to look at mailing them copies to see how that works. All right. So now. In a way, we've kind of jumped the shark, but now scouts, scout, we 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 went from point, a, and that's that. That's why, folks, if you ever watch these firesides or you listen to them, uh, they are not scripted. We literally spent the ten minutes before logging in, catching up like old friends, and not really talking about <laughs> what we're going to talk about. So, scoundrels is the zine. How did that come about? I mean, what got you? Oh, see, now, time out, folks. This is something I want to point out. This is not the first time this has happened. But we actually have a printed proof copy in hand. So you know that if you are backing this, if you're, you're, you're not backing an idea, you're not backing something that's already been half-assed put together, and I'm hoping I can finish it, you actually have a, a proof copy in hand. Those of you at home can't see this. Uh, I, I I apologize for that. I I can't make images happen through sound. Although apparently, according to like I don't know the Discovery Channel, some people can see sound. But um, that is literally ninety percent of the battle is having that proof copy because that literally means that uh, I, I don't know maybe except if we have the end of days and if we have the end of days. Fulfilling Kickstarters are not going to be your concern. Um, you know you're going to get this, and you know you're going to get this pretty much on time because it exists. Yeah, and I set the the day for delivery in October, but actually I plan to have it out. I think it, by the beginning of May, or maybe so a wise a wise man that like decided to to pad a little a little bit of padding just in case. Yeah. I don't know, you know, COVID twenty. Three strikes or whatever the hell could, you know, put this world into a backwards place again. Yeah, you just don't know. You don't know. In fact, I was interviewing uh, Matt Forbeck, who uh, the company went and took his intellectual property, Shotguns and Sorcery, and said, hey, let's make an RPG out of it. They did. They put it through Kickstarter. And then right after the Kickstarter happened, the guy who was doing the whole thing, horrible divorce, court battles for children, ugly, mm -hmm. ugly situation. And it's like, Nobody foresaw that. And, you know, of course, no. people aren't getting their product and they're all upset. But the guy just, you know, it's a one-man operation. And, you know, you just don't know what can happen. No, you you know, And listen, there has been a, another project that literally 
right before it was going to be started to go out the door, uh, the creator died. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, and, uh, yes, you there, there are acts of God or uh, real life that you, you can't account for, which is why you account for them by padding the time. You don't say, oh, we're going to fund in November of 2001 and the books will ship in 2001 far west um i'm not i'm not referring to gareth sharka at all not at all who, not at all but if i was that <laughs> would have been the situation so hey i'll have my 10-year anniversary with my with my lovely wife rach and i probably still won't have a book they paid for when we got married <laughs> <laughs> they'll taint you for the rest of your your day the ta yeah. anniversary well, you, a toast and a curse oh we're going yeah. Yes, it's like I got a book that I was excited about when I married you. I'm still excited about you, hon. But yeah, I'm still yeah, salty no. though. Yeah, well, just a little bit. I think Rich takes that that, that the whole Gary Sharker thing more personal than I do because of the timing of it. I just think that that's part of the issue. But now, how did you come up with scoundrels? I mean, we've talked about this uh, leading up to Zine Quest. Uh, again, uh, just just being fully honest, uh, Jeff and I do talk. Um, <laughs> so this 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 isn't like you know two two strangers sitting down going, "What are we going to talk?" About? No, Jeff and I do talk. So there's there's history here, but we talked about scoundrels. Uh, but what what brought it about? What so, what? so blades in the dark. Uh, for those that you that don't know, it is a I, I highly recommend. Even if you'll never run the game, it is it is a great great game, and it's kind of set into um, we'll say kind of it's like it's like horror combined with Victorian, combined with post apocalyptic, combined with um, all sorts of other things. But it's around. But the gist of the whole thing is that you're criminals, you're a gang, you're a crew. And you're in a city with other gangs and other crews, and you go on missions, and those missions will change your relationship to other crews and, and also your position as a as your own faction. And there's a number of things that make this really good, but but the main thing is because like you played Shadowrun, right? Yes, right, way back Shadowrun first edition. Yeah, so you can buy modules, but there's nothing that really shows you how to run a crime game. No, no. Uh, listen, we had, oh God, what was it? Thieves. There was there back in the in the early uh, and mid eighties, I guess. There was a a kind of a ripoff of of D and D, and it was all thieves. Uh, and I never bought any of the seventeen or so supplements that came out for it because nobody was ever playing it. Yeah, but there was something back then. But yeah, listen. We, if you're playing AD and D or D and D, your thieving abilities are just what you're using in an adventure. You're not going out there picking pockets. Probably the most dangerous thing you could do. No, you and know? I think, and I think the thing is, there really wasn't any guide to to doing this. And we're we're blades in the darkest setup. It's set like you play a session. You you do a quick planning. You don't do long planning. There's mechanics to to abbreviate the the, the preparation time. Then you do the the job, and then afterwards, there's a procedure for uh, for what happens after the, after the job is done, and so it, it was done really well. And I thought this is great, but what I'd really like to see is Blades in the Dark. But instead, you're in playing Star Wars in Moss Eisley or in in Sky or Cloud City on Bespin. Oh, that's cool. So that was like, shh, that's what the lightning was like. I want to do this, but I want to play criminals in a sci-fi universe. Right. And so the whole idea originally was like a cloud city, different layers, each one being a different strat of society. Um, and But over time, it's like, I'm going to have to scrap that idea, but but that each strat is actually representative of just a region. So it doesn't have to be a level. It could be, you know, however cities divided up. It could be inside of an asteroid. Or it could just even be for a modern setting. There's nothing inherent. There are some elements in here that are sci-fi, but I would say probably ninety percent of it you could play as a modern with as a modern setting without any problems. Really? So, so you basically 
Or you're covering at least two genres, at least. And now, and with, and with sci-fi, now you're looking, you're thinking, you know, Star Wars. Of course, my mind immediately goes back to something like Babylon Five, because you know Babylon Five was full of thieves and that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, to me, it's like, wow, play, having that with the Babylon Five backdrop would be pretty cool too. But it's all out there, right, for you to, uh, for folks to rip and steal from, you know different fictional sources. I mean, that's just awesome. Yeah, this is really, this is a, a really a template. This is not a, there are some factions and there's some things I wrote that are kind of evocative of a, of a specific setting, but really it will fit into any sci-fi setting. Any, there's no reason that it won't. You could, you can, you can do this with Star Trek, Star Wars. It really doesn't matter. If you want to play this with Shadowrun, you want to play this with uh, whatever it may be. It, you could even, you know, if you want to just play even a modern a modern game, there's no reason why you can't use this. So it's it's, it's basically source, uh, dare I say, system-neutral source material. It is. In fact, so, like, I have the regions, but I mean, the regions are like, you know, like, uh, like power plants, a port. So a port could be, you know, any city can have a port. It doesn't right. have to be a space port. It could be a water port. You know, and so there are NPCs. So, so it starts out where there's like locations. So they're kind of thinking of those as layers in there, the strata. And then and each one has different regions I kind of outlined out. But those are just generic areas. So it could be uh, like governmental offices or whatever. And then each for one of those, I have, have uh, individual NPCs. And so like, for instance, um, uh, so like for, like for an area for you can't read it because it's backwards, but like various for like for uh, factories and such. Then I got different types of factories, uh, different situations, and then a little write up that's very evocative of what's going on. But then I also have three NPCs for each of those, and each one of those uh, PCs has a uh, they have uh, a little write up, and they also have some description to them. It, it's it, there's no there's no stats to it. But it's enough to give you a flavor of like I can run this PC or this NPC, right? It's great for DMs that like to improv and let their players uh, sandbox their campaign to a large extent. Because one of the hardest things to do, uh, at least in my experience, and, and admittedly, this I, I, I was probably a, a much less skilled GM at the time, is to run urban adventures because they they aren't like uh, your general hex crawler sandbox. Because those, you kind of have an idea where your party's going to go. But yeah. when you put them in a city, they go anywhere. Players like to shop. Uh, my wife would love urban adventures. Oh, my, yeah. wife, my wife and Joe the lawyer, you'd probably lose them for two or three uh, game sessions because they'd be exploring. And the whole thing is when, when your characters and your party start exploring – you want to I get almost like bring the adventure to them wherever they're at. And material like this sounds like you can do that, which uh, we didn't really have that back much in the eighties. Cities didn't uh, city supplements water deep box set wasn't really great at explaining to you how to run an urban setting. No, and I think a lot of those they just they present you with a lot of NPCs and they might present you with locations, but they I think the way they're written is is there's there's the amount of wording used makes it kind of unwieldy at the table. Yes. You don't need to be reading it. You don't need to read two or three paragraphs on NPC. You just need a very short paragraph. You just need to read it real quickly and say, okay, I got ideas for this guy. Right. You don't need to know, you know, uh, that they're having marital strife and their oldest <laughs> child ran away. And let's give you a story hook, in which case maybe you can use that. But a lot of times they go into stuff that you go, my character is going to, you know, the PCs in my party are going to want to know one or two things. What is there for them to buy or what is there for them to steal? Uh, and in this game, it's probably what's there, what is there for them to steal and maybe what's there for them to buy. Well, and here it's also, I have like, like for the second one, I have like what series called uh, Friends and Rivals. So the idea is you can roll for each character or have her choose for a, a person that is a personal contact and a person that is a rival, that doesn't mean that you have to kill them, but they complicate your lives. 
So they are just there to add more interest to tie characters into the city. Fair enough. So there's NPCs. There's also, if you just say, you know what, I need somebody from a tavern or I need somebody that's a hacker. Um, there's also just, a, by topic, there's additional NPCs, all with a paragraph write-up. And these are all generate can be generated with a, a, a D66. So everything is either a D3 or a D66. You know, look locations, also provide locations with write-ups and descriptions. So, and then I also have uh, complications. So at the end, what you can do is you, you have a, a whole chapter on adventure creation. And I okay. step oh. by step how you can take all these tables and give an example of coming up with a job or an adventure based on those tables. Now, how many pages did this come in at? Uh, that's going to be three zines, and I think it's, I don't know. I think it's going to be about 28,000 words. <clears throat> oh, all right. Don't ask me how that converts to digitized zine size. I think it's going to be, but we'll say 100, well, under, probably under 100 pages. Is what's all right. So now, quasi off topic, but kind of on topic now, what kind of binding do these books have? And is the uh, recent drive-through issue going to affect you? So these these are perfect bound. Not perfect bound. These are um, saddle stitch. So these right. are going to be for this. I'm going to go through mix them, um, and what I'm going to have these saddle stitched. Right. And um, but what I may do in the future with these, I may um, put them together later on, and then get them perfect bound and do them through drive-through. Okay, I'm, I'm print on demand. No, because I've been talking to numerous uh, creators, some on the live stream, but many others via PMs and email, uh, often to uh, let them vent about the uh, re the removal of saddle st uh, stitch as an option at drive through. And uh, it, it's, it will have an effect on our hobby. I mean, it might not have a huge effect uh, in print-on-demand overall. I mean, I guess gaming RPGs are just a small segment of that business. But for our segment, that's a pretty uh, pretty standard format. Yeah, and I think, I think the thing is, is it's kind of um, – the thing also realizes that anything that you buy that was originally set to be saddle-stitched – you can print out and sell it to yourself. Yes. So you you know it's and it it actually you know like for this one, those of you uh, uh, listening at home can't see. You know it's not uh, the edges aren't perfect because the, the pages squirt out as you as you uh, put more and more pages inside pages, and you can trim them. I mean it was not gonna be perfect, right. but you can always you can always with these even a PDF form print them out and make use of them at the table. You know as a as a saddle stitch. Right. No. It's not fun. It takes time. It takes a lot of time. Yeah, and you, and you need the uh, long the long arm stapler. I know I have one. Uh, I put out, I think, uh, a baker's dozen of Swords and Wizardry Continua Light as a uh, saddle stitch digest size before I actually had uh, print on demand on Amazon. These were free copies I gave out at my at, uh, was Gary Con. So if you have one of those copies, they are extremely rare. Unless, of course, you printed your own, in which case. <laughs> well, the other thing you can do is you can um, take your page, uh, take your a regular staple, pop it and open it completely up, put your paper down on uh, with a lot of cardboard underneath it, uh -huh. and you can staple it. It won't bend the staples, but it'll push it through the, the paper. And then oh, you can really? flip it over and then you can bend the staples. So you can do that too. If, if you're really just desperately needing these things stapled together, that is a very serviceable way of, of doing a, a – of, yeah, of, it, was... it, might, it might be viable if you're doing one copy for yourself. Yeah, yeah. If you're gonna, <laughs> yeah. yeah, if, if you got to do, uh, I don't know, 240, 250 copies for people, I, I think that's when you got to find yourself uh, – mix them or something like that to do it. And I've only heard good things. About mixing for uh, uh, the hobby publisher, so that's yeah. awesome. So, so uh, in the Zine uh, RPG Zine group, there was um, something we kind of mentioned about you know you should try and use local printers when you can, blah blah blah. So I I called a local printer, and it was going to be like five times the cost. Five times the cost, 
it was just like insane. Yeah, I, I believe it. It's like, so anyhow, I mean, I think there are probably still cheaper ways of doing it, but but I mix them. I'm not sure how they're doing it so cheaply, but it's it's a very economical way of doing it. And I believe Phil Reed puts a lot of his uh, imprint releases through uh, Mixum, and I think that's how uh, a lot of the hobby community started finding out about it. Is oh yeah, Phil stuff. It, it's a really high quality print. Uh, no, no, no shade thrown to drive through, but drive through cannot without providing that quality through uh, lightning source. So, so you can also order a packet. I forgot I'm here. You can order a packet from uh, Mixum, and they will. Um, they will provide you uh, booklets so you can know what they eh, shoot. I don't think I have any. Oh, here, here they are. So they have a um, those of you at home, uh, let's see, home won't be able to see, but they, they've got a, a glossy oh, example. Oh, that's and oh, okay. So you can actually get a sample of the print quality, the paper quality. Yeah, that looks those are really nice. Oh, yeah. And so they, they on the back they will they will tell you um, what paper weights these were at so and what coating. Oh, uh, okay. And so you get a, a good idea of what you're getting. So I highly recommend if you're even thinking about doing it, just order the free. It's free. They'll ship to you for free, and they'll give you the, the samples of those booklets. Damn, I, I'm tempted to, and I have no intention of actually <laughs> using it. But it's kind of like, what? What was that saying that uh, if it's free, it's for me? Oh, I like that. I never heard that before. Yeah. Oh, uh, has nothing to do with my prior occupation. <laughs> and if it and, and if it did, it was always in relationship to food. Uh, right. Yeah, because uh, basically, when when you were a police officer, you knew two things: you knew where to find inexpensive but edible food, and you learned how to find the best food regardless of price. Because sometimes you went to work with very little money in your pocket and realized that you had to make it stretch. And sometimes you had money in your pocket from overtime and you wanted to reward yourself and you're like, I'm going to get the best Italian food in the city and we're near Little Italy in the Bronx, so we're going to eat well tonight. And other times it was like, all right, I got to find that abandoned school bus that serves empanadas because uh, that's as far as my money's going to go. Yeah, we're but, but but mix them is like getting the best of both worlds. Looking at those samples, it's like you're getting high end print quality, but at affordable prices. So, yeah, it's crazy. But they don't they don't ship for you though, right? They, they, you got to do your own shipping. Uh, they actually um, <clears throat> so there's kind of two situations, I believe, if I recall. Mm -hmm. I've uh, <clears throat> in RPG Ramblings, I did an interview with Sarah. I need to go back and listen to it. But there, I think if you just had a handful. Uh, of things to ship, they would actually would ship it for you. If it's oh, like wow. right, four or five, you know, they would do. Oh, that. okay, yeah. <laughs> but oh. it's a larger company. If it's a larger company, not a larger company, but it's a larger order, then there's another company they work with. Oh, like logistically, you can actually. You see, because that's that the main advantage of working through drive through RPG with these Kickstarters is that. You can do stuff that's on print on demand, and you give a an at cost coupon to somebody, and they you, you've you've taken away the need to uh, add that extra step of shipping into the equation. But in a way, you are deferring cost of the Kickstarter to your backer because, well, yeah, for ten dollars you get an at cost coupon in a PDF. For how much is the at cost? Well, the at cost is going to be another twelve dollars plus shipping. <laughs> it's a it's a hidden cost. I I. It, it it it's good in one way and it I guess it sucks in another. Yeah, it does. Um, and I think what's so what also skews the Kickstarter is let's say you have a product uh, that is you're selling for one dollar, and let's say it costs you ten dollars to ship it, and you put that in your information. I'm charging ten dollars for shipping um, and one dollar for the product, but when somebody says yeah I'll take that it counts as eleven dollars towards your your uh your goal your goal so what can happen is that can jack up if you got PDFs and and also doing the perfect or doing the, the uh, zines the physical zines that ratio can throw off your numbers 
See, I didn't realize that shipping was counted in that. I always thought once they once you allowed you to add shipping as a drop down, I thought it was counted separately. No, but no. That, and then no, they charge you. That, they get their ten percent of that. So not only charging uh, you after that, it's like, oh, yeah, see what you're doing there. So you got to be careful with your tiers because uh, your reward uh, tiers because uh, or you might get tiers is the is that if if you set it up and somebody orders things in ways you don't expect. You may have structured in such a way that it could completely throw off your stretch goals. Okay, and you could fund without actually fund. You could fund without actually funding what you need to be successful. Yeah, yeah, and you yes, exactly. And also, you just may not know. Like, see, I was going to put some stretch goals, but if everybody ordered PDFs and I and I and I um, I funded, or if everybody ordered the highest tier and I funded. Those are completely different outlooks. So I couldn't say, you know what, if I make this amount of money, I'm going to spend this much money on that because I don't, I don't know how much money I have left over because it depends on which direction people went. Yeah, as yeah. Sandra points out, you could lose money oh, yeah. in the tier structure, and that's, I, I have seen it. You see it happening less often now, but you see projects um, like, uh, oh. God, now I'm having now I'm having a since the, the Invincible Overlord, where the tier structure when they started adding in things like well, miniatures, threw off the funding to the point that, yeah, well you could produce the miniatures, but you can't produce anything else for the other backers because it literally ate up all the money because you weren't taking into account sorry the shipping cost of of sending out miniatures, which you can't ship via media mail, you know, so the shipping cost just balloons or you could be like the might and magic kickstarter where uh you take so long to actually get the product out that shipping costs balloon and you no longer have the funds to ship the boxes upon boxes of goods that are sitting in your living room probably still to this day unless his wife had him burn it you know compost it who knows but the boxes existed the stuff existed it just there was no money to ship it so so that's the other thing about shipping is, you know, if you can get it in an envelope at a certain amount, you, you get a, a really good rate. But if you go, if you go media, if you go media rate, there is a very specific uh, um, list of things that can only be. Right. So no dice, no dice. Well, not only that, because you kind of, I was listening to, I can't remember which podcast, because you, you do so many of them now, I'm having a hard time keeping up. <laughs> but you talked about, well, wouldn't it be cool to have the, like the detachable the detachable covers with the maps? Right. It that would no longer be media mail. Really? Yes, because you're you're shipping, the, the booklet part is, but once you have that detachable cover, that's no longer a book. Uh, if you go look to the United States Post Office and you see what they allow, you realize you can really just really jack up your rates very unintentionally thinking, you know what? I got detachable cover. So what? Well, it's not a book. It's a book and a something else. Right. It's a book and a folder. You no longer actually. Yeah. I put folder. stickers in there. That may change it. I'm just saying is it, it, maybe maybe there's some stuff they'll let pass. I don't know. But by the letter of the law. You right, you don't want to gamble. You don't want to gamble with that. <laughs> yes, okay. it literally is. It, it literally becomes gambling. Uh, <laughs> yes, Shadzar in the, in the uh, chat was like, "Didn't see Jackson Games lose money on the Ogre Kickstarter?" Um, I know they didn't make money on the Ogre Kickstarter. Uh, I think they broke even or lost slightly, uh, and it's not because Joe Goodman didn't plan everything out. He is uh, not Joe Goodman. Uh, See, Jackson didn't plan everything out. He's, he's spot on with that stuff. But uh, the issue was uh, stretch goals. Remember, the stretch goals for, for the uh, Ogre game, you couldn't put the stretch goal in the box. They had to wrap it to the box for the extra Ogres. I know, because I have it. And I have never played it, and I probably never will. So it's a damn shame. Uh, stretch goals are nice, but they have to be reasonable. Second, second Ice King's Kickstarter... We only did extra OSR adventures, which were we were already plotting out anyway, yeah. and that is another thing. You know, stretch the stretch goals can become an addictive disease 
And talking about OSR Kickstarter's Memorial Tomb, um, I, I think that the reason why we hadn't seen it or heard much going on with it until Troll Lords came in is because they gave themselves all these stretch goals, which excited the backers for sure, but also put a lot of pressure on the creators to get it out. And um, in their case, uh, best thing that Ernie and Ben Watt could do is that they took the money from a well-funded Kickstarter and put it into a business account. They didn't mix it with their own funds. Uh, like, oh, this perhaps Gareth Sharka. That's what I heard. Sorry, Gareth. When you threaten to punch me in the throat, <sighs> you come up a lot. Um, but when you mix when you mix funds and a lot of these small Kickstarters, that's going to happen. But when you what people, I, I know it's not you, Jeff, because you understand business. But some people, Kickstarter is the, is the first time they're actually entering into a business. It's like oh, I made ten thousand dollars. No, you didn't. You're lucky if you made nine. I made nine thousand dollars. No, you didn't. The tax man cometh and taketh away. I made fifty six hundred dollars. No, you didn't. Because now you still have to publish it, print it, mail it, pay your artists, pay your layout, pay maybe authors. Uh, you didn't make that money. It, it it's 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 an illusion. You made some if you did well. You did better than breaking even, but it's not a get rich quick scheme. No, I'm thinking about breaking down once the Kickstarter is over, breaking it all down and showing everybody. Uh, but you need to see people like, you know, like say they, they fund for, let's say, like $5,000. You know, they may only be actually, once all said and done, only be seeing $1,000. And then yeah. and then sometimes, you know, that's a very good Kickstarter. But if you look at their word rate, they may not really be doing that great for the amount of time they put in. Right. You know, for mine, you know, I started to figure out like, you know, if I were to be, if I were to sell my services for the scoundrels, what I'm doing right now is I'm saying, you know, what, what would I, what would I think would be a, what I would charge. And I, I'm figuring that amount. And then whatever money I'm making over that, I'm figuring what would I have had to pay a person to write it? If I were to pay a writer and right. you realize very quickly, once you add two people or three people, that money goes quick. I mean, there's, there is oh, yeah. not a lot of money. You know, this is, you, you generally do stuff like this out of the love of the hobby and the excitement and joy out of doing something like this. If you're, again, if you're doing it to, uh, uh, if you're doing it for RPG fame, well, that's a it's fleeting, uh, and uh, b it, it you it won't have anybody buy you a beer at the local pub, but it it, it does kind of feel good. But and it's better. That's still a better reason than to do it for the money because it's, it, this is not this is not a field that very many people make a living salary on, let alone get rich. Yeah, and, what I was thinking about is. Maybe because I kind of seen something like this uh, uh, is maybe setting goals and working with people ahead of time and saying what the goals when you hit those milestones really what you're doing is you're paying the writer more money right like now he's getting uh, four cents a word the next sketch goal is you know that he gets five cents a word you know and it's you know I think people can then see that that money's actually going towards paying somebody a, a, a somewhat reasonable amount of money for, you know, for their work. You know, that's what's, it's hard. Cause you can't look, you can look at those amounts and think, Oh, that's a tremendous amount of money. But once you pay the artists, once you look at your writing, once you look at your layout, I mean, that's, there's a lot of time invested. Yeah. There's this, it, it people don't realize it. And you got to look at, at, at ZineQuest and, Look at the what two two hundred and fifty zines that are out there now, and we still have three weeks where people can add zines to the uh, to Zine Quest. Oh yeah, you know it is it is huge, and uh, you know it, it is a learning experience for people. I, I, again, I can't stress this enough. Jeff has the proof copy in his hands. I, I'm gonna. Say that probably three out of four zines don't even have don't even have a home printed copy on full loose leaf, a full 
printer paper as a scratch copy. They're still working on, on digital files, if you're lucky. Some of, some of the stuff has not been written yet. But when somebody can show you, not only have I written it, I've laid it out, I've got my art, I'm, I'm doing my uh, scratch editing to catch my mistakes. To, you know, before I pass it on to an editor, we'll catch my mistake that I didn't catch. Yes. And yeah, my, my plan is right now, it's, it is funded. So I'm absolutely thankful for that. Um, I'm about ready to the point where then I'll have enough money to pay a copy editor. So I'm gonna have a copy editor go through the whole thing. And, and then I also have a person I'll have look over my layout once it's finally done. So this should be, once it's done, should be about the most professional thing I could possibly do. Which is awesome. I mean, this is, and I've mentioned this on, on other firesides when it comes to the, uh, the, the zine quest, but Tim Schwartz did everybody a huge, huge favor by putting together the RPG zine community on Facebook. I have never, as somebody who's been involved in social media, in the gaming area, and, and there were a lot of very helpful uh, groups back when G Plus was around, but I have never seen such uh, I don't know, a source of information and help and uh, just, just freely, you know, bouncing of ideas back and forth and it's amazing to see the, the 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 amount of participation in that community when it comes to the creation of zines, and I just think it's it's inspirational. If you don't, if you haven't started a zine yet, you're going to want to if you oh, yeah. pop into that community. Yeah, in fact, I uh, he asked me to help with admining that group, and so he proves you know the admin has to prove each person that comes in. So now I'm seeing right. the flood of people. So there's like it says 1,500 people. I bet there's going to be over 2,000 people before the end of the month. I bet there's going to be 3,000 people before the end of the year. Yeah. No, it, and and I, and I, and I actually uh, love the fact that Tim wasn't on Facebook for years because uh, I think Facebook did not believe that Tim Shorts was a real was a real person. But Gothridge Manor is. Or Gothridge Manor, yeah. Gothridge, <laughs> Gothridge Manor is, but Tim Shorts. <laughs> Yeah, go figure that one out. It's like, uh, well, prove that you're who you are. How about how about from Gothard's Manor? Oh, sure. I, you know, I I have a cousin named Gothard. Yeah, yeah exactly. I was like, oh, jeez. But what's, but, uh, what's interesting is those people that are that are putting stuff out, um, and then are also going to that group are from all over the world. Yes. This is not just. You know, a bunch of guys in the U.S. I mean, it's South America, it's Europe, it's Asia, it's all over the board where people are producing. Some oh yeah, that's Australia. Yes, yeah, Australia. You know, so you're gonna have zines out there in languages other than English. You're gonna have uh, zines out there that are just gonna be PDF. You can have ones that are just in print. Uh, yeah, depending on depending. You know, and here's the thing: if 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 you're shipping from the U.S. and you're just doing print, you're probably just shipping to the U.S. because U.S. postal rates to go overseas are ridiculous, unless you keep it down. Yeah. To so the other problem too, I was trying to. So Alistair, uh, I, I don't think I'm putting the pronunciation the enunciation right spot, but Alistair from the U.K. he reached out to me. He was talking about. Um, where you'd have something a mixman would print, send it to him, and then he would distribute it, which is a possibility. Right. But the all the crazy stuff going on with um, the with the, the with Brexit, and sometimes people get charged one amount, another time another person in the same region will get charged like three times amount with duties. It was there's no consistency at this point because there's a, it's utter chaos of mail. I think. I think there might be certain types of mail that'll be fine, but in general, mail going from the UK to to the rest of the or going to the EU is, is a mess. Is a mess. And I'm sure COVID had nothing to uh, do with like throwing any further monkey wrenches into that at all. Well, it's it's further, but the main thing is is they're no longer so as they're no longer part of the European Union. So the, everything right. has to renegotiate. Everything yeah. has to renegotiate. So he, what he was saying is, you know, there's a tremendous amount of integration of social services, financial services, everything. It, it would almost be like 
you know, like uh, part of the, like the Eastern part of the United States, you know, seceding from the United States. Okay. Everything is up for grabs that moment. Right. right. Yeah. Cause we, we have, you know, free interstate commerce and all that kind of stuff that that would all change. Wow. That's yeah. I guess if you think about it, the United States is 50 states, which initially would have been considered 50 nations, I guess, yeah. in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Wow. Go figure. Oh, well, as always, time with us flies. Again, we, we, you know, folks, uh, Jeff and I have a nice rapport because we've been, well, since the summertime. And, and, and it has nothing to do with the fact that we share the exact same birthday and yeah. year of birth. Yeah. That's just coincidental. Um, Scoundrels is the zine. See, now, it took me a whole episode. I'm finally saying zine, not zine. Uh, it won't last, but, you know, maybe we fixed me for a little bit. Maybe for the rest of the week. I doubt it. Um, how much is uh, Scoundrels over on Kickstarter? So for $8, you get all three PDFs. Um, for $16, what I did is this was completely wrong on my part because you never know till you, you do a thing. I thought, so I followed, um, just to back up, uh, Phil Reed, the patron Amazing. singer of RPG Zines. I said, yes. you know what? I don't know if this is going to work. I'm just going to follow Phil Reed's path, except for I charged more for the for the PDFs. But I thought, he basically charges $8 per PDF, or not per PDF, but per zine printed. Right. So I went I went that same route. I had said three zines. It's going to be $24. But I thought, man, nobody's going to want, very few people are going to spend, you know, $24 for three zines. So I thought, well, but I can't sell them individually, but one and two go together. You really, the third one is, it's got extra rules. But one and two is really what you're working with as far as the, the NPCs and the tables and that. So I saw, so I debated a $16 tier, a $16 tier for people who just want two physical copies and all three. And not a single person has bought that the $16 level. And if you look at the $8 level and the $24 level, it's split 50-50, almost exactly. Really? Yes. So you got completists out there. Yeah. Well, I think the people who a lot of people who bought the eight dollar level only did that because they're international. Uh, yeah. Well, you know what? There's a lot of that too. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I, I was mentioning this, I think, yesterday, that receiving zines in the mail is kind of like Christmas. It's a, it's a mini Christmas, but you yeah. have to open something up, and, and 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 it's like you're getting something that is collectible. I'm not saying it's going to be valuable. There's a difference. But collectible means it's going to be a certain number of these out there. They are not print on demand in this case. So you get one, you have something that's pretty unique and it's, it's, it's special. Yeah. I mean, if you think about, I mean, one of the sayings I used to love was uh, the freedom of the press only applies to those that have a press, but we're living in an age where now we all have access to a press. Yes. Right? You don't have to be like, TSR in the old days where he's like, oh, I guess I'm going to have to do a 10,000 book run. No, you can, out of the passion of your heart, you can get on, get some affinity software for, for under $100, and you can just type away and make your product, your vision. You can put all your heart and soul into it that no other company would dare put resources towards because they're like, it's not worth it to, to devote that much time for solo payoff. And you could put the stuff out and people can then have access to things that they never could before. Yeah, it's amazing, you know. This and again, I, I've heard the argument that oh, large companies, meaning Steve Jackson Games, I guess you know, Paizo, uh, Frog God, others, Troll Lords, shouldn't be using Kickstarter. Why? Because Kickstarter is the best way to gauge the market for your product these days. Well, and it, it, really. There's another aspect to this, and this is cash flow. And I don't think those people realize is that it takes cash outlay yes. first before you to make all this, and then you have to sell a certain amount of product to you actually pay that off. So there could be a delay of months of laying out cash before you get your money back, where with Kickstarter, you have your cash. You can just say, oh, artist, here's your money. Writer, yeah. here's your money. And you don't have to put yourself at a cash flow risk that could that's what can destroy your company. You could be extremely successful 
but your cash flow gets wrong and all of a sudden you're under. Exactly. And again, you don't, don't have the risk of, we don't know how many copies we need. All right, well, let's do a print run That's of 10,000. Your 10,000 your 10, print run sells out in two weeks. Wow. Now I got to do a new print run at an additional cost. I'm not going to, if I had done this all up front, I would have gotten a lower cost per item. Yeah. But now you know from Kickstarter, all right, I know I've sold 10,000 books via Kickstarter. I figure uh, we know from our market that we can sell, and these are just bullshit numbers, folks. Don't uh, Tenkar is not talking as an expert on this subject matter. But all right, we, we know we can sell ten thousand. We can we can order four thousand copies beyond that, and that'll, that'll be sold out in a year and a half, two years. So you're not stuck with sitting stuff sitting in a warehouse, literally rotting away, pages turning, uh, risking getting damaged from water damage, or whatever, and paying for the space to store it. Yeah, you, you know what your market is, right? That's just that's that's invaluable. invaluable. It's cash tied up in something that's a, that's doing you no good. Right. So uh, Kickstarter for companies pretty much of all sizes, uh, except if you're Hasbro themselves, because Hasbro apparently is big enough that they can do their own internal Kickstarter for things like HeroQuest, and then you're like, oh, okay. So you keep that money that would normally be going to Kickstarter. <laughs> Wise. Do you pass the savings on to us? Uh, no. Of course not. But uh, yeah, Jeff, thank you, man. I really uh, this was good. This was a good show. Yeah, I appreciate it, Eric. I had a great time. Ah, uh, we I always have a great time with you. And uh, for those that may be catching this later, this is Super Bowl Sunday, and uh, uh, dare I say, I may actually watch a football game this this year. If I don't, I have the beer and I have the chicken. So at least I'll be drinking beer and. Eating chicken as I, <laughs> as I as I as I watch like random YouTube videos or the History Channel. Yes. Or or I might actually watch some football. We'll see. But um, folks, as always, I, I know you're probably sick and tired of me saying this. I've been doing this for about a year now. We are in the midst of the world of COVID. I'm not going to tell you what to do. You tell me your character would not throw a fireball into a ten by ten room because they know better. They have common sense. Use your common sense. The best way to keep yourself, your loved ones, your family, your community, healthy and safe. All right. I'm not giving you, I'm not giving you answers. You figure it out yourself. Be safe. Be well. God bless. Roll those dice. I'll be back tomorrow with two more live streams. And again on Tuesday with two more live streams because come on, live is where it's at. All right, folks. We're out of here. Laters.